but it was not possible legally here because I would have to get access to fresh leaf and it was not legal to grow any type of cannabis here until uh, 2020. So then I could get my hands on some leaf. Last year, we did some R&D, played with some recipes, tested it with our market and our people and everybody loved it. So now I'm like, all right, it's time. After about five or six years of bootstrapping the growth of Famous Juice, it's time to raise some capital and it's time to launch a chain of hemp juice bars. And that's where we're at now. Welcome to the Miracle Plant Podcast, the show that inspires, promotes, and gives you a daily dose of inspiration from the people who have used cannabis to change their lives in extraordinary ways. Here's your host, Justin Benton. My man, famous Amos, down there in Texas, trying to stay warm. We connected in this incredible platform called Clubhouse, and I know I've been talking about it a lot. I'm super excited about it. They call me the clubhouse wizard, but today I've got a wizard on here. Famous name is we connected about juicing this miracle plant. Amos, welcome to the show. How the heck are you, brother? What's up, brother? I am doing well, despite the crisis that we had going on here in Texas. I was fortunate enough to be in a good place of town where we didn't lose power or water. So we're good. And uh, today is a sunny day. The way we're used to it being in Texas, still cold. But it's sunny, and uh, all of us have been, definitely been missing the sun. We're not used to that. Awesome. Are you above 32 degrees yet, or you're still hanging underneath that number? Now, yeah, we're above freezing. I think somewhere around 45 degrees right now, which awesome. everybody's like feels amazing, which normally in Texas, they're like, oh, it's so cold. It's 40. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, tell me your story. The Miracle Plant's all about sharing stories. Uh, with this misunderstood plant with so many names and how it's affected your life. So how were you introduced uh, to cannabis and how has it changed your life in extraordinary ways? For sure. Love answering that question. So for me, I started the first time I used cannabis, I was 15 years old, just me and some friends, you know, curious about the plant, but I wasn't a regular consumer of the plant until I graduated high school. I was about 18 uh, years old when I started consuming more regularly, but the trouble was every time that I was under the influence of cannabis, I would feel guilty. I would feel, I'll feel like a criminal. I would feel like I'm letting my parents down, my coaches down. The people that I respected have taught me that this is a dangerous drug, but this is like cocaine and like heroin. And I just felt like I was doing something wrong and bad. And then on the other hand, I had some friends and the internet. I was starting to read some things about medical marijuana and uh, the different benefits that it could have. I even read some things that at the time sounded really insane, like you can make clothing out of it. And I'm like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. How could you make clothing out of this, out of a drug? Cause that's still my mindset back then. So I was very confused. I'm a teenager, 18 years old, and I was confused on what to believe. Do I believe everything that I was raised with my coaches and my authority figures? I played football for 10 years, which is why I keep referring to my coaches. They're authority figures that I highly regarded. And then my parents and my teachers, do I believe all of the negative things and the propaganda, which at the time I didn't know was propaganda. To me, it was just facts. The D.A.R.E. program, I went through that thing. Or do I believe my friends and the internet that's saying these really interesting, beneficial things about the plant? I didn't know what to believe. And uh, it was also an interesting point in my personal life where I was lost uh, in my life and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do as a career. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to college or not. I didn't go to college the first semester. But after a semester of that, my, my father was like, now you, you got to go with me. We're going to go sign you up for classes. But even though you don't know what you want to do, you got to at least get into classes. So 
went and signed me up and just took some random core classes. And I landed in a philosophy class. And uh, to this day, the teacher of that philosophy class is the best teacher I've ever had. His name is uh, Dr. Sadler. And Dr. Sadler, he taught me a lot. But one of the most crucial things that he taught me was he taught me to think for myself. He taught me to question my beliefs and he taught me to question authority, basically. And he taught me that just because information comes from a place or person of authority doesn't necessarily mean that it is truth. And with this new information, I started questioning some of my own beliefs and my own habits in my life and whatnot. And I landed on this concept of cannabis. And I had this idea of why am I relying on my parents to tell me what's true about cannabis and my school and the authority figures? And why am I relying on my friends to tell me what's true in the internet or just the internet? I should say, let me go find out the truth for myself. I had a lot of questions. I had just this burning curiosity of like, why did cannabis become legal in the first place? Who made it illegal? Where do these rumors come from? What's the source of them, both good and bad? So I had about an hour and a half break between my classes that semester. And for the rest of the semester, I would just take that hour and a half and I would go to the computer lab and in the library and I would just study and research all uh, I could find about the origins of the prohibition of cannabis. And prior to that, I had never heard of industrial hemp. And in that journey, I discovered industrial hemp and I discovered that you can make clothing out of it, that we used to make almost all of our clothing out of it, that the original draft of the Declaration of Independence was written on hemp paper, all the ropes and cells were used. Basically, it built this country like Justin and the word is finally starting to get out. And I, I realized this is in 2011. And so once I found out that the real reason why cannabis is illegal is not because marijuana is this dangerous drug like cocaine and heroin, but it's illegal because industrial hemp is so useful that it threatened big corporate industries. I became infuriated, particularly because the industries that it threatened are destroying our environment. And this entire time, there's been a more sustainable source for petroleum-based fuels and plastics, for wood-based paper and building materials and uh, cotton clothing and so much more. And uh, basically, I, I had this realization that, that I've been lied to, that the government's been lying to me and lying to the entire country, which led me down a whole new path of questioning the government and questioning really just everything. And so that was when I first started thinking about kind of nutrition and looking into the food systems and stuff like that. But at that point, I made a decision that one day I was going to start an industrial hemp company and uh, I was going to name it MJ's. This is the name here. Boom. And I didn't know at the time when I was going to start and I didn't know what the product or service was going to be. But all I knew was it was going to have something to do with industrial hemp and I was going to name it MJ's. So that's a little bit about like my origin story and how I became super passionate about hemp. That's awesome, man. That's a hell of a story. And for those of you in the audience, you can see how we had to have Amos on and we connected immediately on Clubhouse. We started talking about the plant and talking about the industrial uses. I'm trying to get him out to NOCO, March 25th, 26th, and 27th, coming up in here, Denver, Colorado. And how far of a drive is that for you if you drove up there versus flu? Probably what, 10 hours or so? How long was it there? It's 19. Yeah, it was like 18, 19 hours. We drove up there just a few months ago in the, in the summer. Yeah. 
that's a halfway nine hour and stop somewhere and go up there. Or you can hop on a plane. I tell you what, flights are cheap right now. We For had sure. a $97 round trip from LA to, to Denver. So today's a, now is a pretty good uh, time to get a good deal on the price of it. So yeah. I was also thinking we definitely met and do you want to talk about your juicing company first or the hemp packaging brother? I'll let you decide. Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and talk about uh, juicing here for a second because that it fits with the narrative. Mm-hmm. Because then once I made that, that decision, I didn't end up doing anything, really taking any action on that decision. It just sat in the back of my mind for about four to five years. So then in, in uh, 2013, I actually had a bit of a health crisis where I had these muscle spasms that spread throughout my body. And I had similar symptoms to like fibromyalgia and a little bit of like rheumatoid arthritis type. Uh, symptoms, but basically those spasms spread through my entire body over the course of 2013 and uh, caused tension headaches, restless leg syndrome. I was becoming like depressed because of this. I couldn't work out and exercise and do all the things I love to do. I've been a tumbler since I was five years old, been doing handstands since I was five years old. I competed in American Ninja Warrior. This was after that, but just to give you an idea, I'm an active person. I've been doing handstands, working out, playing football. And for that entire year, I couldn't do anything physical because it would flare up those spasms and it was really difficult. And uh, I tried a bunch of different things. I went to five different doctors. None of them knew what was wrong with me. And uh, at the time I was like partying and drinking and eating a bunch of fast food and processed foods. And uh, I was working out really heavy. I was about 30 pounds heavier than I am now. I was in the bodybuilding, taking a bunch of supplements. I was just like that stereotypical gym rat and like supplement junkie and huge meat eater. I grew up here in Texas and San Antonio where it's basically a staple in our diet and our culture here. But when that experience happened and I went to the doctors and they didn't know what was wrong with me and I had tried I had tried massage therapy, acupuncture, electrotherapy, physical therapy, hydrotherapy, like I had tried all these different things. I even tried like muscle relaxers the doctors prescribed me which helped temporarily until my body adjusted to them. But basically there was no answer of what this was and what I could do about it. And that was the hardest part about that experience because it literally halted my life. I I just couldn't really function on the day to day and I didn't know what was wrong with me. And so that unknown is very scary because the only thing that I did know was that this has progressively gotten worse since it was a little tingle in the the middle of my spine. It's it's spread through my whole body. So for all I know, it's going to continue to get worse. So basically, most days I would just sulk in my bed depressed and watch Netflix. And I stumbled across a documentary called Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead. And it's a documentary all about juicing and juice fasting, where you watch a guy named Joe Cross do a 60-day green juice fast, where he only drinks juice and uh, water for that entire time. And you watch him lose about, I think he loses about 60 pounds, if I remember correct. It's been a while since I've seen it again. And uh, he reverses his type 2 diabetes. He gets off of six or seven medications. So seeing that, I, after watching that, I was like, you know what? This makes sense. It's fruits and vegetables in a liquefied form. So it's easy for my body to absorb. Um, like what do I have to lose, but to try this, I've tried all these other things didn't work out. So I might as well just try this juicing thing. So I went and I got a $50 juicer. It was a Jack LaLanne juicer. And I went and got some produce, looked up some recipes on juicerecipes.com. And I did a three day juice fast. And in those three days, the symptoms that I was experiencing significantly cut down. I had more mental clarity. 
I had more energy. I was able to sleep better. I still had a little bit of the spasms and the, and the twitches. I would get muscle twitches. It was basically like a spasticity, but it helped. So I was like, okay, maybe there's something to this juicing thing, but maybe it's like the muscle relaxers where they help for a week or two and then my body adapted and it didn't really help anymore. So I was like, I don't know, but let me do another one and see what happens. So about a week later, I did a seven day juice fast. And by the fourth day, all the symptoms I was experiencing completely disappeared. And I had mental clarity and energy like I had never had ever in my life before. And I had some realizations during that juice fast. I realized that number one, I thought I was healthy prior to this happening because I wasn't diagnosed with a disease or a condition or with something. And I think a lot of people feel that way. They think that they're healthy just because they don't have a condition or a disease. And they just assume that. But the, the second realization I had was you don't know what true health feels like until you've nourished your body with raw fruits and vegetables consistently on a daily basis, which now I had experienced and felt the difference. And that feeling I just couldn't turn away from. I couldn't go back to living the life that I was living that was depressed, depressing and low energy and lethargic and very just uncomfortable. It wasn't necessarily painful, but it was a constant uh, state of discomfort. And I just couldn't go back to that. And at the same time, I couldn't turn away from feeling so much energy and clarity uh, that I hadn't had before when, when I thought I was healthy. So I made that I made a decision at the end of that juice fast, which was that about December 2013, that this was going to have to be a, a part of my lifestyle. This is going to have to be something that I do every single day if I want to feel this great. And so on January 1st, 2014, I started a 21 day juice fast, completed a 21 day juice fast. And every uh, one of those days I did yoga and I did meditation and I slowed my life down and I just focused on healing my body and I did positive affirmations and I didn't listen or watch any mainstream news or mainstream TV. I only subjected myself to positive speeches, classical music and piano and some reggae. And so I was also doing a mental reprogramming because I had realized that in this journey of not feeling well physically, I had started getting into some negative toxic thought cycles. And so it was a combination of changing my mindset and, and uh, detoxifying my body and giving it a, a, a new firmer foundation to build upon. And uh, those 21 days, completely transform my life mentally, physically, and spiritually. I became a different person. People didn't even recognize me uh, in public because physically I had lost about 25 pounds, but then energetically I was like this big old beefy muscle head. And now I'm like this yoga doing like juicing guy. That's all about love. And I learned so many things. I also discovered the law of attraction in this journey that helped a lot as well, but it was that experience. I had never uh, had any intention of starting a juice company. It was that experience that I shared with people uh, on Facebook. And I had an overwhelming response of people calling me and texting me and messaging me and, and just basically wanting the transformation of my health that I had. And they wanted to know how, and they wanted to know what they could do. So for about 45 days after that, I had a new person physically coming over to the house just to learn about juicing and yoga and meditation and slowing down and basically self-care before self-care was a thing on social media. I just realized I was missing all of that. I never took time to slow my life down. I never took time to take care of myself. And that was really the first time for me. So then I realized I've always been entrepreneurial since I was in fifth grade. I learned how to calculate a profit. And ever since then, I've always had little side hustles. And that's when I realized, huh, I can help people get healthier 
by making them juice. And I'm already making juice every day. So these people want it. Clearly, there's a demand here. So I had $29 cash left in my wallet and I made a YouTube video uh, on this. And I said, I got these $29 and I'm going to go buy some fruits and vegetables and I'm going to start selling juice out of mason jars. So if you guys want to place an order, just DM me on Facebook or Instagram. And so that's how I started my juice company. I started out of my parents' kitchen with a $50 juicer and $29. That's awesome, man. And uh, what happened next after that? Yep. So then basically I juiced out of my parents' kitchen selling mason jars for about a year and a half or so. I started working at a rock climbing gym and a gymnastic gym. It's actually where I met my girlfriend. And I started selling the juice out of the rock climbing gym. And that's when things started to really take off. I started looking for a commercial kitchen. I got into a vegan co-op spot called Munch On and Beyond at the time. And uh, so I finally had a commercial kitchen and just started serving my community, selling them raw fruit and vegetable juice in glass bottles. That was something that was very important for us is using glass bottles and reusing them. So we give people a dollar off when they bring the bottles back. Ever since then, I've been operating from basically co-op kitchens like that. And then about two years into running the juice company, I decided it just kind of hit me one day. Nothing in particular happened, but it, it was just like one of those epiphanies in my meditation where it was like, it's time to start working on MJs, however that looks like. Let me start by just networking in the industry. And that's something that a lot of people ask, how do I get started in the cannabis industry? And I just tell them what I did. And the first thing is to uh, get plugged in with the local community. And that's what I did. So I just started looking up hemp conferences, cannabis events, networking events, expos. Most of them were in Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin. So I would go drive over there from San Antonio and uh, just started to see like what's happening in the hemp industry. And I was looking for people doing something with the industrial side of the plant, either hemp apparel or hemp paper or hemp plastic. That's what I was really interested in. And uh, in going to all these expos, nobody was doing anything with industrial hemp. So that's when I realized, okay, I'm just going to have to do this myself. So at the time, I started developing a business plan for MJ's to be a hemp apparel company. So the idea was to, to get American grown hemp and uh, make American made clothing and started the market research. With that, I had a mentor when I joined an incubator called uh, Texas Cannabis Industry Association out of Fort Worth. And we, quick, we quickly found out that goal was pretty much impossible. And to this day, it's uh, still basically impossible because the supply chain and the infrastructure for that is just not there yet. Uh, so we're just ahead of our time with that idea. So then pivot to, okay, we can import some of these textiles from China, which is one of the best uh, producers of hemp textiles as well as Romania. And then we can get them manufactured locally here in Austin. And so that was the game plan. Then I went to another event in Austin in 2017 and I discovered hemp flower. There was a vendor there with hemp flower and it was very interesting because I had been studying hemp for a few years at that point and had never seen a smokable flower form of hemp because the genetics were new. That's not a traditional use of hemp. In fact, it's really not even necessarily hemp. It's more so uh, marijuana that has less than 0.3% THC, which is defined by our government as hemp. That guy put me onto hemp. He was a farmer out of Oregon and I was blown away when I tried it. He let me try it. And I was like, wow, I feel great. It, it changed my state of being in a positive direction, but I'm not impaired 
And this is legal here in Texas. The first thing I did is I went right back to him. I was like, hey, dude, can you ship me a pound of this? And he was like, yeah, it's hemp. It's covered under the farm bill, the 2014 farm bill at the time. He's like, I can ship it to you across state lines. And I'm like, sweet, send me a pound next week. So he did. And the first CBD store had just opened maybe four or five months uh, before in San Antonio. It was the first one in Texas. So I went and started supplying them with hemp flour. But I had two realizations. Number one, it's too easy for me to get cut out. Because after meeting that farmer, I met about five or six more with better quality flour and lower prices within about two weeks. It's too easy for me to get cut out of this. And number two, how do I get back to the real reason why I want to be in the cannabis industry, which is industrial hemp and the industrial uses of the plant? And how do I start growing the brand MJ's? And that's when I came up with the idea of joint packs, because when I go to recreational states, my favorite product is joint packs because it's the most convenient. All I need is a lighter and uh, I can go hit the beach. If I'm in California, I can go hit the mountains if I'm in Colorado and I don't need to roll up in my car or anything like that. It's just easier. And I had just got these hemp paper business cards printed by hemp press. And so I reached out to them to see if they could make me a, a package for hemp pre-rolls. And sure enough, they, they could. And so they designed me one. We put it in the first store. It was called Alamo Botanicals and 30 packs sold out in a day. And then ever since then, it's just been keeping up with the demand. We had explosive 2019. We we're in about 30 stores in and around San Antonio. And then COVID really slowed that down. A lot of those stores permanently closed. So mostly retail online now. We actually did. I collaborated with a friend to launch a zero waste store last year, the first one in, in San Antonio. And that's where we operated from. I've since split from that relationship though. And uh, that leads me to now. And what I forgot to mention was when I launched MJ's, I was in a bit of a pickle because I hadn't built a team for Famous Juice. It was like a one-man show. I, it was, I was like a solopreneur. And whenever MJ started exploding and taking off, started demand, demanding more of me, I made a really tough decision to close Famous Juice in order for me to focus and do things right with the hemp company because ultimately this was the original dream. This was the original vision. And so all of 2019, we, we didn't operate, we didn't make and sell any juice. And in 2020, we relaunched in that zero waste store, which actually was the original vegan co-op that I had my first commercial kitchen. She had uh, closed and we took over the lease there. So that's an interesting part of the story. But now where we're at is operating famous juice from a cafe while I'm putting together a pitch deck to launch a chain of hemp juice bars because Texas passed HB 1325 in late 2019. First grow licenses went out and I think it was about April 2020. And so we had our first grow season last year and I was able to get my hands on fresh leaf. Something that I didn't mention in this story is the entire time of me juicing, I was always trying to think of how I could incorporate raw cannabis into my juices, but it was not possible legally here because I would have to get access to fresh leaf and it was not legal to grow any type of cannabis here until uh, 2020. So then I could get my hands on some leaf. Last year, we did some R&D, played with some recipes, tested it with our market and our people and everybody loved it. So now I'm like, all right, it's time. After about five or six years of bootstrapping the growth of Famous Juice, it's time to raise some capital and it's time to launch a chain of hemp juice bars. And that's where we're at now. Love it, man. That's such a cool story. And I know that I'm going to help you out any way that I can. And I was on a pitch uh, 
forum on Clubhouse yesterday for investments and things like that. And there's lots of different ways you can go with crowdfunding and all kinds of different things. There's a company I used in the past called Start Engine. So you have to check them out. But uh, yeah, I definitely look forward to helping you. And we're obviously all about raw cannabis, raw hemp as well. So it's it was cool. I think you were probably the first person I met on Clubhouse that that it was on the same wavelength. I was like, all right, man, I'm not the only one out here that knows this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was, it was me, you and Dr. William Courtney. <laughs> but yeah, that's where we connected. And I think it's a great idea. I'm in fact up here in my store up in Ojai. And we, this was, a, used to be an Herbalife. So we have all of the stuff ready to go to juice and do all of that. But nice. I, I sit on the California Hemp Council and we haven't passed our legislation at all still because the FDA started getting their nose into California's business because, of course, if they can get the largest state, they can set a template for the rest of the country. And they were trying to pass all kinds of crazy stuff. And yeah. so fortunately, we have great lawyers and great lobbyists at the California Hemp Council with Patrick Goggin. And we work with Politico and we've got the ear and we understand the state Senate. So we're working on making sure and we almost got the bill passed. But just didn't we didn't have enough time to get it done last session, but we will this year. And um, once we pass that, then it makes it very clear that we can have CBD in food and beverage in California. And then we can start to go down our road. So I'm sure you and I will be talking a little bit more once that happens. Probably early summer is what I'm hearing. But nothing's concrete until it's uh, signed and, and put on the dotted line. That's awesome, man. And I think it's so cool. And uh, we, we juice every morning still for our son and we flash freeze it just because we can grow year round. And when we do have fresh, we will pick fresh and we use the flower too. So we use the flower and the leaf and we use the Omega and uh, I think you use Omega too, right? Yeah. J006 is the model. Yeah. And so that's what we still use. So I just love that we got a chance to meet and uh, you've got an incredible story, man. And I really appreciate you sharing. And we haven't, we could probably keep going for another couple hours because we haven't started talking about packaging yet and the whole circular economy yeah. thing yet. So if you yeah. want to go down that road, I'm certainly happy to listen and learn some more. Yeah. Yeah. We could talk a bit about it. Big reason why uh, I wanted to use hemp packaging was obviously because I wanted to promote first of all, bring awareness to the fact that this is cannabis too. And everything that I'm wearing is cannabis too. And I like to show people, and it's one thing to tell them that cannabis can make paper. It's another thing to show them and give them something they can touch and feel. And actually our business cards are a crutch card so people can actually use them. There's a functionality for their joints and makes joint filters. So the biggest reason was to promote the other uses of cannabis and then also I have a sustainable source of packaging because one of the things I learned about in this journey, uh, I read a book called The Future of Packaging from Linear to Circular. Have you heard of it, Justin? Oh, yeah. I learned, heard of it from you. You've got, you've, I've uh, heard it a few times on Clubhouse, but I'd love for you to share it with the audience, brother. Yeah, for sure. So that book introduced the idea of the circular economy to me, which the circular economy is creating products and resources that are reusable or refillable, not disposable. So at the root of our waste crisis is single use behavior and single use plastic. And I say single use behavior because in a lot of instances, single use plastic can actually be reused. Although you'd rather use something 
that is glass or metal, depending on what it is. So it's not potentially leaching things into your food or your beverages, whatever uh, you're drinking or consuming, but things are only single use if you use them one time. So it's all about reusability in order to try to steer our planet and our society in a more sustainable direction. So the circular economy is about designing packaging, designing products to be sustainable and reusable. And that's why with the glass bottles for famous juice, we do that, which I was doing anyways, prior to learning about the circular economy, because it just makes sense. However, with our joint packs, they're not necessarily, well, they can be reused and we try to get people to, to bring back the packs and we can refill them for them. But these are just hemp paper that can be composted. And so this is what uh, we do. This is what our product looks like. It's a joint pack. And uh, now that we can cultivate, oh, there go my joints. <laughs> now that we here in Texas, we use all hemp grown flour as well. So we try to support our local economy as much as possible. I go straight to the farmers. One of our kind of themes for MJs is we go to the ground where it's grown. If we can't go to the ground where it's grown and shake the farmer's hand and buy directly from the farmer, then we probably don't want to do business just because we want to support hemp farmers directly and especially local farmers and especially local farmers that are using organic and regenerative practices. So that's a little bit about MJ's and our packaging and some of the motivation behind it. And we get a really good response from people. There's not a lot of companies using hemp packaging either because they don't know that it exists, that they could get it, or they're not willing to pay for it. And so for both of those reasons is why we uh, choose to use it uh, because we want to spread the knowledge that this is an option. So I often talk to other business owners and other pre-roll companies and I ask them like, hey, have you considered using hemp packaging before? And then also just educating them and letting them know that yes, it is more expensive. This box, I could get it made out of virgin tree-based paper for maybe an eighth or a tenth of the cost. But we choose to pay that because we don't view it as an expense. We view that as an investment. We're investing into the start of the hemp paper industry, of the hemp packaging uh, industry. And without people like us and brands like us supporting them early on, it's just gonna take that much longer for them to reach economies of scale and for that price to come down and for it to become more widespread. That's why we do it. That's awesome. So do you guys hand roll the joints and put them in the box and sell them as, and, and then ship them? And is that all over the state, all over the country? Yes and no. So yes, we do ship and sell all over the country, but we do not hand to uh, roll each one. We have a future roll and knock box. And uh, I don't know if you've seen that before, but basically it's a machine that can pack a hundred joints at a time. And then they're just hand twisted and finished. Awesome. And so are you shipping nationwide? Yep. All, awesome. all states that is legal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know there's a couple like Louisiana and a few others that get a little funky, but well, yeah. that's incredible, man. That is just a, an amazing story. And you're just an absolute genuine, authentic soul. And I'm just so glad we got a chance to meet. I look forward to meeting you in person. Did, did I see some more on Instagram that you might have a little one on the way? Is that something I might've picked up on? Yeah, we do. We got a girl on the way. She'll be due May 26th. So we got another hamster on the way. Awesome. Awesome. That's good to that you might be able to, I really hope you can slide out to NOCO. If not, I understand, but uh, there's a lot of great people that I'd love to introduce you to. And a lot of just hempsters that have been around for a long time and they've been fighting the good fight. 
since some of them since the 70s and 80s. And uh, there's just a lot of really good people. And it's going to be a smaller event because of everything that's going on. But it's going to be the first in-person hemp event that I've attended. And mm -hmm. I attend as much as I can. So I really look forward to uh, connecting then. I look forward to helping you out with your juice initiative. I look forward to helping you out with any way that I can. And a lot of us that are in here for the right reasons are here to support this plant because this plant has changed our lives. It gave you your health back. It, it healed my son from his severe autism diagnosis. So we, you just get connected to this plant and then we, we hand out free hemp seeds and teach people how to grow out in your backyard. So I might be having to get some seeds out to you too, so you can grow your own as well. Yeah. And it's just, it's an amazing plant. You're an amazing guy, Amos, and I'm really happy we got a chance to meet. So thanks for stopping in. We're going to have to, I'm sure I'm going to, I see you on Clubhouse all the time doing your thing. And what's been your experience with Clubhouse before we wrap up? Dude, it's freaking amazing. I get to meet amazing people like you. You mentioned some of the OGs that have been pushing industrial hemp and cannabis reform since the 80s. Got to connect with some of those OGs that have been idols to me. A lot of these people I, I learned from in those very early stages when I was discovering why cannabis became illegal, like the emperor wears no clothes and Jack Herr. And I've been able to communicate with his, his uh, son and his daughters and uh, Todd McCormick and Brenda. We were in some rooms with Brenda. I, I wasn't even aware of Brenda and her role. I wasn't aware of Todd and their roles, but I obviously was aware of Jack and he was the most outspoken, but he certainly wasn't the only one. And getting to meet that little entourage and that crew that was, is the original pushers and introduction of industrial hemp, at least from the counterculture side, is really awesome. And is all because of Clubhouse. Like we're talking right now because of Clubhouse. And uh, real quick, I wanted to mention, I will be at NOCO because I'm going to be in Denver anyways for a friend's uh, bachelor party. Perfect. So there. The stars are aligning. Yeah. So it's the 25th, 26th, 27th. I'll have a booth. And so check that out. I'll probably be speaking a little bit. We have a store in Denver, 101 Not CBD. So we might have to have you come check that out. Definitely. And yeah, man, I just, I'm really happy we got a chance to meet. And it's, that's been the experience for me with Clubhouse is that I've met just incredible people that are dialed into the same wavelengths that I'm in and we're on the same missions. And it's just been an, an amazing experience. So I really appreciate you coming on. Any other shout outs or anything, how people can reach you or websites or Instagram? How can they find you if they want to learn more about you, brother? Yeah, for sure. So if you want just more content, first of all, I do have a podcast called the Eat Plants Move Often podcast. It's on iTunes, it's on Spotify, it's on Stitcher. And that's about highlighting some San Antonio locals, and then also bringing that conversation back to these four main pillars of the show, which is a plant based living and veganism, uh, sustainable living and a circular economy, entrepreneurship and cannabis and hemp. So that's mostly what my podcast is about. And then uh, where you can find my personal content on Instagram is where I'm most active. It's at eat plants move often. And then if you want to order some pre-rolls, you can follow our Instagram at MJ's hemp and you can get the link in the bio is where you'll find it. I'll throw out a discount code actually for everybody watching here. You can use the discount code clubhouse to get 20% off some pre-rolls and the strain we have in stock right now was grown in dripping Springs, Texas just outside of Austin. It's a really good strain called garlic. You can support not just us, but the hemp paper industry by purchasing our pre-rolls. And then uh, follow along the famous juice journey. Unfortunately, we can't ship raw juice, but if you're in Texas and you're local, uh, or if you're passing through San Antonio, come check us out. It's at famousjuice.co.
Love it, brother. You got a lot going on, and I look forward to supporting you any way that I can and connecting you or collaborating. And uh, it's just been really great getting to know you, and I look forward to hanging out March 25th at NOCO out there in Denver. And uh, thanks for coming on, brother. I look forward to checking out your podcast, too. Maybe I'll even come on and be a guest if you'll have me. would love that. <laughs> so, I was going to say that. But, yeah, thank you for having me on, brother. Thank you for um, everything you do for the community and just sharing your story with cannabis and how it's impacted you and your family. And also, thank you for the tincture. It was very Absolutely. good. <laughs> Absolutely, brother. You bet. So we're here. We're both on the same mission to heal the world and heal those of us that uh, inhibit it. So thanks for coming on the Miracle Plant Podcast, Amos. I'll see you in another room soon in yep. Clubhouse. And uh, take care, everybody. Until next time. Adios. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, my name is Leah Babrudi, and I'm the founder and host of Cannachicks Podcast, where I discuss cannabis, psychedelics, and other natural medicines. I not only interview people who use them as treatment for different conditions, but also the entrepreneurs who share their knowledge on how they built their businesses. If this sounds interesting to you, give my show a listen. I'm sure you'll learn something that'll surprise you.